0: Again, and we will be looking at verse 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, uh, referring to charity, charity doth not behave itself unseemly. We don't use the English word unseemly anymore, but uh, we should. It is a word, it means uh, that which is not proper or that which is not right or decent, that which then is improper or unbecoming or inappropriate. Love does not seek to act contrary to what is right. (coughs) Christian love is concerned about what is right. It is not concerned so much about uh, your feelings, although it is concerned about your feelings. But it is more concerned about what is right. What is right in your Christian life. What is right. And that's what Paul is dealing with here. He's using a negative. Love is, is, doth not behave itself in a way that is not Right? Love, on the other hand, does behave itself in a way that is right. Love seeks to do right. Love seeks to do right by God. Remember the definition I've been using. Love. It is a commitment to do right by God and then a commitment to do right by our brothers and sisters, to our neighbors. There should never be in our minds and in our hearts, be a conflict between our definition of love and that which is defined in the Scripture is right. And if there is a definition between what is right and what is love, then we need to correct ourselves. Because love seeks to do what is right. Christian love makes me concerned about... Uh, what I say, if I am saying the right thing, what I, how I behave, am I behaving in a right way? Uh, even what I wear, uh, makes me concerned about what things look like to others. In Second Corinthians, in chapter six, Second Corinthians, chapter six, in verse three and four. The Apostle Paul, writing to this church, by the way, that is full of error, writing to correct them, uh, says to them in Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves. The word here is the word proving, brother. Approving ourselves, proving ourselves, Uh, as the ministers or the servants of God. In everything we do, we are to prove that we are the servants of God. In our actions toward our brothers and sisters, we are to prove that we are the servants of God. Not giving an offense that the ministry be not blamed. Blamed not having the ministry blamed because of our life. Instead, prove that we are the servants of the living God. The word offense here is to do something that leads others to biblical error or into sin. If we are doing something that leads others into sin, leads others into error... Then we are not proving ourselves to be the ministers of God. Instead, we should be leading others into a world of, uh, into a life of righteousness. Christian love makes me aware uh, of my life, my attitude, my words, my actions, uh, my manners. It causes me to ask myself questions like, Is what I'm doing or saying causing an offense to the ministry? Is what I'm doing or saying causing the church to be blamed? People look at my life and say, If that's what a Christian is, I don't want to be part of that church. Now, there are times when we speak to a professing Christians about their sin that they might become offended. There's nothing we can do about that. We're not there to offend, but sometimes it does offend people when we speak to them. But our life is to show others what is right about Christianity. When we live our lives in the world, and when we live our lives before others, we are to live it in such a way as we are demonstrating that we are believers in the living God. And that we are believers in His Word. That what God says is more important in my life than anything else. There are times when that is difficult to do. And we pray for grace that God give us what we need to do the right thing at the right time. What Paul is dealing with here is doing something that brings shame upon our Christian testimony by our lack of love in doing the right thing. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 says, love does not behave itself in a way that does the wrong thing, that sins against God, that sins against the church. And uh, so the question yeah, that is needs to be in our minds this morning is that is what I am doing as a Christian a reflection of the Word of God in my life or is it a a reflection of my own heart and the remnants of the world that I have carried with me in my Christianity biblical love teaches to teaches us to be concerned about our whole life, not just on Sunday morning, but it's seven days a week. Christianity is not a a little little bedroom we've built on uh, this house, we call it our life. You know, we have a a room for business and we have a room for entertainment and we have a room for 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 a family and we have a room for a job and we have a room for this and a room for that in <laughs> our hobbies and, and, and oh we need a little bit more added to our life well let's add a little addition here and on Sunday morning we'll go in there and it's uh, it's we'll make a room for God that's not Christianity Christianity is God invading the soul Christianity is life the life of God in the soul Everything else becomes secondary to that. Everything else becomes uh, is put in its place by that. It doesn't mean we don't have time for our family. It doesn't mean we don't have time for, uh, for our job. It doesn't mean we don't have time for, for entertainment. It doesn't mean we don't have time for these other things. It just means that everything is in its proper place. And biblical love teaches us <coughs> to be concerned with the whole life. It will address every area of our life and calls us to bring every area in our life into submission to the rule of God through His Word. What does God have to say about this? Husbands, does God have anything to say about you loving your wife? <coughs> parents, does God have anything to say at all about you raising children? parents, Does anybody does God have anything to say about how your your household should be ordered in the things regarding the things of God? On the job, does God have anything to say to us about our testimony at the job, or as we're dealing with uh, our children, their testimony at school? <clears throat> you see, the Scripture teaches us that God has bought us and we are His. We are no longer our own. And that He has given us His Word. And biblical love teaches us to do what is right. Is the love of God and love for God ruling in our life. Love teaches us how to behave ourselves especially in the household of God. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14 and 15 and says, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. Uh, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and says that there is a certain biblical behavior that's supposed to take place in the house of God. Love teaches us how to behave right in the house of God, how to come into the house of God and respect God, and how to come into the house of God and respect his word, how to come into the house of God and respect our brothers and sisters and to honor them. Love teaches us that we should have good manners. By the way, this word unseemly has to do with uh, manners. People today, I was talking to somebody uh, recently, I said, that's just not good manners. And they looked at me like, what generation are you from? (laughs) I'm from a biblical generation. Uh, This word unseemly has to do with your manners. Uh, Does the Bible address how we are to respect elders? Uh, Does it say anything at all about how we're to treat older people? How we're to treat our sisters? How do we treat the older ladies as uh, mothers in Israel? Does God address any of that in the scriptures? Uh, Do any of those verses have anything to do with us at all? Or is that just for another generation? I think there's... uh, there's something about having good manners in public and in private that has to do with being a good Christian. Christians do not derive their manners from the world, what the world says is correct, nor do they derive their manners from, uh, uh, from uh, those who are religious, but they derive it from the Word of God. God teaches us how to respect each other. How to respect the elderly. How to respect the young. God teaches us those things. What is right about that? The Love teaches us to act appropriately as a Christian in public. And uh, to make our Christianity known in a public way. (laughs) And um, it teaches us that as a Christian, whatever age we are, doesn't make any difference whether we're a young Christian or an old one. Uh, Christian love teaches us to act our age. Paul speaks to the Corinthians, and we'll get to it in chapter 4 eventually, and he speaks to them about growing up. I remember we had a particular problem in a church in Elmendorf. When I was the pastor there, and one Sunday morning I stood before the congregation, and it's probably about 150 people at church that morning, and I said, grow up. <laughs> they looked at me. I said, grow up. It's time that we stop being like children and grow up. Start acting like we are Christians. Mature, maturing Christians grow up. That's what Paul says. And I preached on the necessity of us no longer being babes, little toddlers running around getting in trouble and making a mess all the time, but growing up and being what we say we are. When we say that we're a Christian, that we grow up, And act like it. That we use the word Christian in our mouth. That we use it. In such a way that it has a meaning. Not a religious meaning that the world puts on it. But that we use it as it is found in the scriptures. Desire. A child of God. Desires. To grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is in a heart of a true child of God. A hungering and a thirsting for righteousness. God teaches us that. Love teaches us that. When God saves us and gave us a new heart. And, a, and that new heart has a love for him. And that love for his word. And in that heart is a desire to be more than what I am. There is a hunger and a thirst to know more of God than I know. Something in me that was not in me before God saved me. I did not want to know God. I did not want to know His Word. But when God saved me, He changed that. And He put in me a love A love for Him and a love for grace. And that love from that new heart that He put in me doesn't stop. Doesn't stop moving forward. Whatever stage we find ourselves in in our Christian life, whether we are the youngest of babes or whether we have walked with God for 30 years or 40 years. By the way, this is May. That's an important month for me. May of 1979, I went into the gospel ministry. The first Sunday in May, I preached my first gospel message as an ordained preacher. (coughs) I preached before that, but as an ordained preacher. When God gives you a new heart, and God puts in that heart a love, God puts in that heart a love, that wants to know more, wants to grow, wants to grow in grace and in knowledge, wants to continue. Most everyone here has had children, most of them, some of us here have seen them grow up and and uh, have uh, seen them get married and now they got their own children. I, by the way, thank the Lord, grandchild number fifteen this week. you love your 50-year-old son less than you did when you were holding him in your arms 50 years ago? Hmm? No. No, you know, I, I can tell you no. The answer's no. The answer's no. When I held my first son in my arms, and what an amazing thing that was. I was 19 years old and holding my baby and and... Now I'm 71 years old, and he's past 50 years, well, that love has not diminished. It's grown. It's grown. Now if that happens in a physical world, how much more in a spiritual? And God gives you a new heart. And you're just a babe in Christ, and you're you're holding the Word of God for the first time, and you're reading it, and there's something about it that just stirs your soul. Fifty years later, still there, still there. Love seeks what is right. It seeks to do what is right, right. Love teaches us to live in the light of our Christian calling. We are called to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. First Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 11.1 Be ye therefore followers of me even as I also am of Christ. <coughs> in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul writes to this church at Thessalonica and says, in First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.6, six, He says, You became followers of us. That's a good thing. Young Christians following older Christians. That's a good thing. It's the right thing. They ought to be able to look at an older Christian and say, I need to follow him or her. They're not going to lead me astray. They're going to lead me in the right way. But he didn't stop there. You became followers of us. And then he adds, and of the Lord. True Christians become followers of the Lord. He went on to say, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Paul, uh, John wrote in 3 John chapter 1, verse 11, Beloved, follow not that which is evil. Follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God. But he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Love teaches us to do right, to do good, to trust in the Lord and do good, as the psalmist says. Love teaches us to have a proper attitude toward those around us, especially those that are members of the same church. Love helps us to properly respect and reverence the elders of the assembly, to hold them in the respect that is due to their office. Love teaches us to weigh our words to season our speech with grace as much as possible, to speak peaceably to all men when it is possible. Paul saying to the Colossians, let your speech be always with grace seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Love gives us the ability to answer every man that asks us and to answer it with the scriptures. With the word of God. Teaches us not to use crude and unkind or vulgar language. Or language which insinuates evil. Or language which seeks to put down others because of their weakness or their race or their culture. Paul writes to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good, that which is right, that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Uh, I've preached from this pulpit, and I've been preaching since I've come here, that we ought to be involved in a ministry of edifying, building each other up, not tearing each other down. Still remaining in this church is an element of wanting to tear down and not build up. Paul says not to use our mouths for those things. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1, Be ye therefore followers of God, he says, as dear children, and walk in love. I hear a lot about love in this assembly, and rightly so. Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-spelling Savior. And then he goes on to verse 3. In contrast to love, but fornication and uncleanness or covetousness, let it not once be named among you as becometh saints. You claim to be saints, holy ones. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 3. As becometh saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which is not convenient, but rather the giving of thanks. You see how Paul here draws out. (coughs) Out, (coughs) if you're going to walk in love, the use of your mouth shows up. How you use your tongue shows up. You see, it's not just I'm going to hug your neck and tell you how much I love you. But if you're going to walk in love, how you use your language is going to reveal whether it is love or not. Love in your mouth, not just in your heart. Love in your mouth expresses a thankfulness to God and a thankfulness to others. Love teaches us to search our hearts in light of our actions. Causes us to act right and when we fail to do so, love teaches us to repent. When we do what is wrong, as a Christian, one of the first things that happens in the heart of a person that genuinely loves God, when they do something that is wrong, is that they want to fix it. They want to fix it. They've done something wrong. As a parent, you can ask my wife. As a parent, uh, and I raised my children. There were times when I got angry. There were times when I didn't do the right thing. I would go back to my children and I would ask them to forgive me. They were lost. And I was the Christian. I was the one that said I was the believer in God. They weren't. I was the one that messed up. What is my responsibility? Well, it's okay. Let it slide. No, you don't let it slide. You love God. You love God's Word. You you do something in front of your children that's not right, you correct it. Repentance is not a one-time thing It took place in my life back in the summer of 1974. Repentance is a way of life with a child of God. Love teaches us to do the right thing. And when we fail, the right thing is to repent. And if we're unwilling to repent, something's wrong. The tenderness of a heart. Part of a child of God is to repent when they've done something wrong. And if there's no willingness to repent, something's wrong. Love does not allow us to just wallow in sin and just stay there. I've been asked as a pastor over the years, Brother Pat, how long can a person live in sin and, and not repent? And to be honest with you, I don't know what the answer to that question is. David lasted nine months before he finally broke under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and repented and corrected himself with that situation with Bathsheba. Lot vexed his righteous soul for some years before he finally lost everything. And we would not even even known that he was even a Christian if the New Testament had not told us that all those years he had vexed his righteous soul living in Sodom the only reason we know he's a Christian. But the general testimony of Scripture is this. Love doth not behave itself unseemly. Love does not behave itself in a way that is wrong. Love behaves itself right. And part of what is right is when I fail, I repent. I repent. Love does not allow me to be a busybody in another Christian's life. It teaches us to mind our own business and to live out our lives as an example of those around us. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, 3, verses 7 and 11, Paul writes to the church, this is a young, young church here, and they have been under severe persecution uh, from their inception. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 7, Paul writes and says, For yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. And then in verse 11, he says, For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, uh, not working not at all, but are busybodies. So he defines this word disorderly as being busybodies. Involving yourself in... Everybody's life, but your own, and seeking to fix and correct everybody's life but your own, disorderly. Love does not teach us how to. Love does not teach us to do that. Love teaches how to to work, walk orderly, walk rightly. Let a person alone if they need help. Come alongside them and help them where you can, and if you can. If not, you leave their life alone. They belong to God. God's able to take care of them. Love teaches us to grant liberty where it is needed and not to judge or condemn a brother or sister that does not quite order his life or her life like we do. We've looked at Romans 14 already and we'll look at it again before we are through with the summertime. But uh, Romans 14 and verse 1 says, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye. The one who is weak, Receive. But not to doubtful disputations here the instruction given to the church here at Rome and churches here at Rome is we receive people that are different from us, but we don't receive them to what Paul says is doubtful disputations the Phrase doubtful disputations means that we don't receive them in order to criticize them and correct them and to coerce them and to unrighteously pressure them to become just like us. Instead he says in verse 5, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. (coughs) This church is full of people that don't agree with each other. And so far has been able to function that way. So far. And it needs to stay that way. It needs to continue that way. Love teaches us that we're not the end of all things here. I've been walking with God for a long time. I had a phone call yesterday from a man... And he said, Brother Pat, I need to ask you a question. And whenever he does that, I always shake on the inside a little. (laughs) And he says, Brother Pat, can you explain this to me? And in the end of it, I couldn't. I said, Brother Pat, don't you have the answer for everything? No, I don't. I do have the answer for some things. But in the end, I couldn't explain it. I sent him a text this morning. I said, brother, I apologize. I said, I, I wish I could have given you a better answer. But that's a hard text and I don't understand it. Sometimes it's easier to say what it is not than it is to say what it is. Well, brother Pat, a that. <laughs> a pastor that doesn't have an answer for everything. Love teaches us that if we know anything, it's because God has taught us something. And if the brother doesn't know what we know, then give him a little bit of time. God's not through teaching him. But if a brother does know something, it might be worth listening. Find out if it's worth learning. We need to be patient with each other. Love teaches us to behave properly and wisely. Uh, since we are living out our life in the presence of God as a Christian and in the presence of others. I want you to to look at Psalm 101, verse... Oh, I'm not going to be able to get there. I'm out of time. Let's look at it anyway. Psalm 101, verse 2. Psalm 101, verse 2. We'll close out with this. <clears throat> Psalm 101 verse 2 says, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Now the word perfect in English has come to mean something that it does not mean in the, in the Hebrew here. Okay? And in the Old English, the word perfect does not mean perfect as in with no mistakes, okay? The psalmist here is David, and he says, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. The word used in the Hebrew is with integrity, with uprightness. In an upright way, in that which is right. I'll behave myself by doing what is right. Because love doth not behave itself unseemly. He goes on to say, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. The word perfect here, with a moral maturity, with a mature morality. I will walk in my house with a mature morality. I will walk in the house of God with a mature morality. I will behave myself wisely. That's what love teaches us to do. Love teaches us how to behave with some maturity, with a moralness, a moral rightness about us. You will be offended at me when I tell you this testimony but I was asked to meet with a husband and a wife. He was lost and she was saved and he had been a very unrighteous man in many ways and I was there with another pastor and uh the man was accusing me of of uh leading his wife astray and uh in front of the other pastor and uh and I so I shared with him again what I had shared with his wife about walking with God that she had a responsibility To the Lord Jesus Christ. He was wanting to take her to the bar joints at Saturday nights. And she can go to church on Sunday if she wants to. But she needs to come with him on Saturday. And I said no. Some of you might get upset at that. But I said no. Don't dishonor God on Saturday night. And show up on Sunday morning. And uh, he said I'm the head of this house. And I looked at him and I said, you don't have the moral authority to, read your, to lead your house. And he was offended at me. You see, these men, they want to boast about be, being leaders. And without a moral maturity about them. Women need leaders. Men. But they need leaders. Leaders. Men who are mature, who walk with God, who know something about what is right. They know something about the scriptures. I've never once found a woman who would rebel against a husband who opened up the scripture and says, let's follow the Lord together. This is our standard. This is what is right. Love doth not behave itself in an unrighteous way. It behaves itself in a right way. And a right way is found in the Scriptures and the Scriptures alone. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, bless your word this morning.